This episode is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta. Winter is coming and energy usage for all Albertans will be increasing. So now is a great time for listeners to look at their utility bills and ensure they're on the best plan. Albertans have a choice who they pay their utility bills to. Park Power is happy to provide free, no obligation comparisons. If you decide to switch providers, it's easy and you can feel good knowing you are supporting a local business and helping to give back to our communities with your utilities bills. Learn more at parkpower.ca. That's parkpower.ca. Hey, fellas. We ain't gonna ever back down from nobody. I don't care who it is. This is a brotherhood. And if we stand strong together, we can't be denied. If one of us goes down, we have another and another and another that's ready to fight. So let's hit this field and bang them. Bang them. Bang them. Somebody light me up. It's time to huddle up. It's the Turf District Podcast. Welcome back to the Turf District, where we huddle up to talk all things Edmonton Elks and the CFL. And we're a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported, and also a part of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I'm Andrew, and thank you for joining us this evening, and uh, we really appreciate you joining us for the show, uh, and or downloading, if you've downloaded, but uh, if you're watching live on YouTube, thank you for joining us, and don't forget to put your questions into the chat below, uh, so that we can have lots of things to chat about. Not that we have a hard time chatting with the guests that are with us tonight, but first, let's bring in the usual gang, starting with Superfan Mike. Yeah, they're both in there. Like it was lovely, and uh, the other important part uh, on the screen, you can see we welcome the podcast fantasy champion. Oh, well, shucks. Cumberbund. district battle. <laughs> yes, the victory yes. Cumberbund will be coming. Yeah, it's going to be outstanding. Yeah. Uh, well done, super fan. That was yeah, very exciting. It was- it was quite surprising. It was a very tense final game. You and I were sort of back and forth. You had uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson and uh, was it Cam Phillips in yep. the uh, Toronto game? And I zero yeah. points. That was very helpful. Yeah, I just yep. had uh, Phil Pot. Uh, and as it was getting closer and closer to overtime, I'm like that's it. I'm I'm only up by a couple of points. We go to overtime and it's over. And uh, sure enough, they score the uh, single, the rouge to end the game. So yeah, lucked out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I needed missed it by this much. That's right. Yeah, Cam Phillips needed one catch for thirty yards, and we're good. <laughs> it's a tie game. Anyway, uh, well done, super fan. Thank and you. tell everyone again, uh, where is your charity money headed? Uh, it's going to the family center here in uh, in Parkland County. That is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so, congrats once again, super Thank fan, you. and uh, I will beat you next year. No, I probably won't. All right, let's bring in. <laughs> Let's also bring in Commissioner Kayla. How are you, Commissioner? Hello. I am not a winner of no fancy belts, but that's okay. I'm a winner of something much better. You oh. are. You have your prize possession around that you can of show. Of course. Everybody. First oh, off, like, isn't this new top so dope? Ooh, isn't that's that nice? very nice. Dope top. Yeah. Oh, I like that one. But this that's is nice. way better. Like, let's be okay. honest. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, look at mm. that. Wow. That Sign, is amazing. Yes. We'll allow it. We'll allow yeah, it. Yeah, we'll allow it. 
And, uh, and I you wouldn't got to care meet him. if he did. I <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you got to meet him after the game too, right? I did. I did. Got a picture yeah. taken off. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, I was hesitant. I was like, should I, should I, should I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to be that girl, but like game ended. And I was like, just kidding. I am that girl. <laughs> Booked it. <laughs> I was like, showed my media pass. I'm like, <laughs> ran on field and he knew exactly who I was as soon as I shut, I showed the Jersey. So <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, guy. Very yeah, very happy for you. It was it was amazing. Um, all right, let's bring in our guests because we have a lot to talk yes. about this evening. Uh, you know them as the greatest radio voices on the radio talking about football. It is one, Morley Scott and Dave Campbell. Hello, gentlemen. Good evening. How's Hello. everybody doing? We're doing great. Yeah. Fantastic. We're glad that you guys are here. It, I mean, we're we're glad that because we get to talk to you. We're not glad because we're talking about our season wrap up before November. Oh. So that's the, uh, <laughs> the downside, yeah, I guess. But. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> Last year, the season ended November nineteenth in Vancouver, and then a couple of days later, they had the uh, season ending avail, and then the day after, on the Monday, they fired everyone. Um, and here we are this year. It's good you know, times. October 24th and we're done. It's the earliest that we've ever been done. Um, so it's it's kind of weird this year. It's like the off season is starting way too early. And usually you say that if you don't make the playoffs. I remember in you know in 18 when they're nine and nine, you know we we were done like first weekend in November. Well, we're done you know third weekend in October in 22. It's 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 a little strange, but it is what it is. I think it's going to yeah, be exactly. pretty weird for everybody with the Elks done and then watching regular season games coming up this weekend. It's going to yeah. be it's going to be a weird feeling for sure. Well, and not only that, but regular season games that don't mean anything. So we have uh, everything is decided, uh, which we, we which we will talk about as well. Because uh, I'm curious to see what you guys think how the season goes. But um, I, I do want to talk about the latest game too. But before before we do that. Um, Tell us a little bit what this season was like for you guys. I mean, there was a ton of changes with the team, but it felt more like a normal season as compared to last year. So what uh, what was the overall feeling for you guys this season? Morley, let's start with you. Uh, yeah, it was, it was good to be back to normal. It was good to have a training camp, a full training camp. It was good to have preseason games. It was good to have a full schedule. Uh, the weirdest part for me all season was just the players moving in and moving out. So many of them all season long. I mean, it was, I, I, I understand why. And, and I know, you know, what was going on and what uh, Chris Jones was trying to accomplish, um, you know, basically extending his training camp and trying to find players. And then the injury situation forced him to make, I think more moves than he wanted to make or needed to make, but he had to because of the injury situation but yeah that part of it like it was over 100 players on the roster uh, throughout the season so that's a that's a lot of names to keep track of and it was I, I found it more challenging than other years to to remember and, and and make sure you knew who was in and who was out from week to week because it wasn't uh, it wasn't as easy as it had been in years past that's for sure what I what I do uh, you know when I talk about the uh, to me it was great to have Chris Jones back I mean, I, I love talking football with Chris Jones. The stories he can tell, the people he knows, uh, the, the the details he talks about, the things he he knows about the game that 
you know, most people don't or will never know is, is pretty incredible. I really enjoyed uh, my time. And, and he was so gracious with Dave and I uh, pregame, postgame. Postgame shows were terrific with him this year because he had a chance to go off the handle uh, if he wanted to in a few games because of the way they lost. Uh, but he didn't. He was very composed, very thoughtful, and uh, very genuine. And right up to the last post game show where he you know we said goodbye to him but he came back and wanted to apologize to the fans for the season and, and promised them that he was going to be doing everything he could the offseason to try and fix things so to me he's the takeaway for me is is the fact that uh, that he is back in charge and i think the team's got a pretty clear pathway uh formed now and you know now it comes down to making sure you get the right players in the right place and i think uh, i think they're on the right step to that yeah, I agree. What about you, Dave? Okay, well, it wasn't totally normal to begin with because you had the strike. Okay. There were only two teams that were that started camp on time, and then we thought they had a deal, so everyone else comes back. And then, oh, the uh, players are not ratifying the deal because mm-hmm. a bunch of them didn't vote and a bunch of them didn't understand that you should vote. But anyway, um, so... Here's Morley going off to Winnipeg on a Wednesday without having any idea if there's going to be a game on Friday. Then here I go a day later, and so my my uh, my timeline. I woke up, didn't look good. Nothing. It didn't look good at all. I'm going. We're going to have a free day in Winnipeg. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> then I I get to the airport and I look at my phone and my buddy Farhan Lalji of TSN is is uh, is tweeting. Oh. Things are things are starting to turn around because I'll tell you, it didn't look that way, you know, a few hours earlier. And get to Winnipeg and oh, tentative agreement. Oh, great. So now the vote happens. What the vote happened, I think like seven or eight o'clock at night, Winnipeg time. And then twenty minutes mm-hmm. later, we find out the vote, and then we're all happy. And then Leon passes yeah. to Connor to beat the Flames in game five in overtime uh, to advance to the Western Conference final. Everything is happy. So, you know, the the preseason game happens. One of the best moments of the season, no one saw, was, that was Nick Arbuckle hitting Caleb Hawley for one of the best touchdowns we have seen all season until, you know, we saw Kenny Lawler and Dylan Mitchell and all those guys. Um, so we get through the preseason <laughs> first game, first regular season game in Vancouver. I go home, COVID hits our house. And I'm out of commission for two games, and I'm I'm sitting in this office here, and you know I'm a studio analyst and not a color analyst. So, thanks to Ryan King and to uh, Lake Dermot, and I appreciate that Ryan King noticed that Morley's chair is way better than mine, and that's garbage. So, you know, I appreciate that from Kinger. Um, and then you know, got came back Canada today, and it was it was fine after that. My thoughts in the season are, are this, you know, and I remember we did the show day before Chris Jones was hired, which I know sucked for all of you because <laughs> here's the show and he's hired anyway. Hope I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Something like that's going to happen this time. Um, but, you know, I remember saying, because it was, what, December 19th or some something like that when he was hired. I said, here's my feeling on this. When he inherited the team back in 2013, he had a core. He had a core. No core this time. No core. I mean, you look at that team in 21, you're not going to bring many of those guys back anyway. But he brought, you know, a handful. But he basically dismantled the, the house right down to the studs. And as Morley told me one time during the season, no, he took some studs away too. And I'm like, yes, you're right. 
So yes. I really don't know. I really didn't know what what this was going to be like. Um, I, I I hearken back to that second preseason game at home, and they lost thirty seven seven to the Stampeders. It's just preseason, but it kind of made a lot of people go, "What happened here?" And then I'm realizing, no, some of these players have to play next week because there's so many injuries, right? And then they got caved in. So I mean, for me, am I surprised they were four and fourteen? I don't know. Because I expected they, they were going to struggle. But here's the thing. When you have expectations that are good and high and you're a great cup contender or you're a playoff contender, you kind of know where to set the bar. But when you're going to struggle, where do you set the bar? What's an acceptable level of struggle? There is an acceptable level of struggle. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. So for me, let's see. Let's They got blasted in basically five games. There were, yep. you know... I don't know what you call the game on Friday, whether they got, I mean, they lost by what, a couple of possessions or, you know, three possessions, whatever. So maybe you include that. They lost six games where they had a chance to win. And Morley and I did the uh, somber math in the booth I, uh, last week. Uh, they won a practice and they had the lead in six games, either at half or in the fourth quarter and got beat 92-39. That was the point differential, 92-39. That's getting caved in. And then there were four games that they won where they came from behind in uh, most of them. Uh, The one game that they controlled was in Ottawa, but still had to come from behind. And then they beat the Riders in traumatic fashion. So to me, it was, you know, they're kind of knocking on the door of being a second-tier team or a middle-tier team, in my opinion. But uh, a lot of... You know, the, like Morley said, the 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 constant carousel of players was was tough. A lot of that was from injury. A lot of that was you know the impatience. I think of Chris Jones, and then it was good to see by around Labor Day he he stopped that, and he kind of rode with the with a certain group for the most part. Um, but you know, it was it was disappointing. And I know for himself, you know, he's so ultra competitive. Uh, Chris Jones is, and you know, you know, I remember at training camp. He said, "This is a big job." This is huge undertaking that we have decided to uh, to, to take on here, um, but he still expects to to win. Expects to to win Grey Cups, right? But you know, uh, I I think maybe in his quiet moments he probably thinks that that they were not very close to that. But his competitive nature just never stops. I mean, he was asked a question on Saturday from you know from someone saying, "So how do you decompress?" And he said, "I don't know what that is." Winning decompressing is winning to me and he's going to leave on Wednesday for a scouting trip. So he just never stops, you know, and until this team wins a championship, he's just not going to stop. And even at that, he's not going to stop, but there's no for him right now. It's he's not happy with the season and he's going to try and fix it. along with G Roy Simon and everyone else. Yeah. Which is, which is exactly what, I mean, to some degree, what we kind of expected, it was going to be, uh, it's a rebuild year. We knew that. We knew it was going to take a while for them to get everybody together. So, um, and I think I know our, all of our favorite penguin is in the chat, and and he just said at least we saw potential this year. Uh, there was no potential last year, and that's kind of what it did feel like. So I think this year fe- feels a little bit different, even though we didn't, you know, win at home. And it's it, it's funny when you, when you say something like that. I we went. I remember at the start of the season, I went back over last season, uh, the twenty one season, and I was looking for. We're, we're building promos and we're building an opening for the new season, and I'm looking for highlights and I couldn't find any. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it, there just wasn't there just wasn't a lot of excitement in the games last year. Even you know, and then you, you fast 
flash forward to, to, to this year, and there was even the games they lost, you saw something you went away saying, yeah, that was pretty good. He played well, or he did this, or that was a great player, whatever. I mean, for the first time, after Kevin Brown arrived, for example, and, and Dylan Mitchell, when they hit the lineup, that was probably the first time in a year and a half where you were saying, I want to see this guy get the ball. You know, you're excited to see a player, and you wanted him to get the ball. You wanted to see what he could do next. And we hadn't had that for a long time around here. So I think that's part of the process that they went through this year, uh, finding those two guys especially. And it's great that they, they signed, uh, announced the uh, contract extension for Mitchell today, which is which is certainly great news. But, yeah, it that's that's the difference. It w- there was something there this year. Last year, last year – I walked away from those three games in seven days to end the season going, wow, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I mean, this team, it had no spark. It had no excitement. It had no energy. The fans were just uh, all upset about everything, wanted everybody fired. They got their wish and they've taken the next steps moving ahead this year. So yeah, it's to me this year at the end of this year, compared to the end of last year, vastly different, vastly different. The the win totals aren't different, you know, four and 14 compared to three and 11. Uh, It's not different, but it is different. It feels different to me, and I hope the fans understand that too because it, it was a mess. I mean, they had a lot. To, uh, Chris Jones and his team had a lot to, to clean up, uh, and they went to work, and that's why we saw so many players because they had to find the guys they wanted, and I think they're closer to that, and they're going to add to guys add, add guys to that you know, to that group of guys that they've come away this season with and try and improve them and make them even better. Jones said on Saturday, biggest things for him uh, is to is free agency in the draft. Uh, they're already working hard on the U.S. side of things to get free agents, but the CFL free agency and the Canadian draft are going to be two very, very important steps for them this season to continue the rebuild. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I do. I, I want to. I'm gonna. I can't wait to talk more about that <laughs> as we kind of get excited about what's coming next. But uh, let's let's quickly go over this this last game because um, you know the Elks fall to the Lions, thirty one fourteen. I guess one of the biggest parts, and and maybe for you guys too, um, it, Chris Sheets being it's his last game and and his last game on the sidelines he's been there for a long time and and I know it was uh, emotional for him I think it was emotional for a lot of fans but um uh it was it was it was a good send off other than we didn't get the win <laughs> but he did get the the proper send off I feel um but there was a lot of other good in this game. So um, before I get to you guys, I just because uh, I do want to get, I want to give Mike and Kayla a chance to chat a little. But um, <laughs> Mike, what uh, what did you find good in this game? Uh, I thought that um, seeing Trey Ford using his legs um, and being very successful with it was great. I mean, he had a nine yard average running the ball. He, I mean, passing the ball, there was uh, some certainly some sparks there, but you could see that. He's a rookie that had a lot of rust. Um, you know, he had his touchdown throw, but he had a couple of interceptions. And then, of course, Kevin Brown. So, I mean, obviously, I focus on the running game a lot. Um, Brown didn't have the greatest game running, but as a receiver, he was our top receiver of the game. So his total yards from scrimmage was almost 100 yards. I think it was 85 yards, something like that. So at least yeah, on that's... offense, I thought it was pretty good. I have to applaud you for your uh, your line for the total yards uh, running for the Elks last week, where you said 109.5 and they finished with 108. That was oh, pretty uh, not bad. Oh, just under. Yeah. So you won. Super fun. Um, all right, Commissioner, what's your good in this game? Oh, I mean, my it really has nothing to do with the game at all. 
Well, it does. <laughs> but to see my two favorite quarterbacks play against each other, like that was a send off that, I mean, I was happy regardless. It was so nice to see Trey Ford back. And again, like you said it best, there was definitely some rust that had to be shaken off, but there was moments of glory that you just saw at training camp in a few of the games at the beginning of the season. And I think he definitely has something really, really special. And I, I don't know what next year is going to hold, but I, I really hope and pray that he stays with this team. I don't know what that means that Cornelius got extended for two years. Yep, that's correct. Yep. Mm -hmm. So maybe David Morley can chat about that a little bit later. But um, I I mean, it it just kind of goes to the same. Like, I I love to see Dylan Mitchell. I think he is another rising star, and I'm not biased for the name Mitchell. It's just, it's just so happens we had a B Mitch, now we have a D Mitch. So, Um, but yeah, I, my, my good was just to see Trey Ford back out there. And I think he's an exceptional quarterback, an exceptional person. And it's a, it, I would have liked to have seen the win, but I can't complain seeing Vernon Adams versus Trey Ford. So that was my good. <laughs> that That is a great one. Uh, all right, Dave, what do you got to build off on those? So here's what I liked. And so I'll start with what I didn't like. I mean, after this really good start, uh, mm-hmm. the the defense just went away. I mean, they weren't even, they didn't even show up, you know, and I, I wasn't happy with the run defense. Is it any coincidence that they have given up 100 yards plus rushing in four straight games when a when a young man named Niles Morgan wasn't the the middle linebacker? Not they a miss coincidence. Him. They miss him big time. Yes, yeah. exactly, Morley. Um, but and it bothered me. And this has happened, I think, so many times this season, where it was a 10-7 game for a long time, with about five minutes to go in the half. And then they give up two scores quickly. And they're, they're down yeah. by, you know, what was it, 20, 20 or 17 points, I think it was. Yeah. And yeah. it just, it's that, that's tough. But, you know, you could fold the tents and say, ah, it's 30 minutes left. We're 30 minutes away from the offseason. You know, let's just try and get through this, right? Um, they battled. They battled well. I thought all three phases battled very well in the second half. And obviously there was a lot of mistakes. You know, Trey made some mistakes. Um, there was there was mistakes in all three phases. But you know what? They battled. And I think that's what impresses me over the last two games, and really all season, but the last two games when you're eliminated, uh, this coaching staff did a good job of uh, – and, and the players deserve credit too – is that they cared. You know, this, these last two games mattered. So I was very impressed that the last 30 minutes mattered to this team. And even though they could only produce seven points, um, you know, and they missed out on, uh, you know, two scores. Um, I thought that was positive in, in my, in my opinion, you know, I, I think the character of the team is very high in the fact that they decided they were going to stay in battle for the final 30 minutes after a rough first half was very impressive to me. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, they got the bit of the spark with the interception in the end of the yep. second yeah. quarter, but that kind of carried over to the second half. I agree. But the in the second quarter really was the tail of the game to me. It was, we scored 14 points outside of that. They scored 14 points outside of that. It was just the 17, nothing run they had in that mm-hmm. second quarter. That was the tail of the game. Oh, brutal. Yeah. What about you, Marley? 
Uh, for me, I, I come away from the game, first off, the effort that everybody put in. And, and like Dave was talking about, they could have easily folded their tents, especially when they got down, but they didn't. Uh, but the, the biggest takeaway for me was Trey Ford and just getting a, a chance to see. You know, when we saw him play earlier in the year, it was, what, four games in. And uh, he was just learning to be a pro, and he was just learning the playbook. He's had a lot of time on the injured list since then, since getting hurt the next week in Calgary, to to become more of a pro, to study the playbook and just learn and watch and everything. And I think uh, I think we saw so many good things from him. Uh, just the way he can throw the football. Let's not let's not kid ourselves mm-hmm. on that. Despite the fact everyone calls him a running quarterback, he can throw the football. We saw that it was an absolute beauty he threw to Dylan Mitchell uh, for oh, the opening touchdown of the game. Just a tremendous pass. Uh, he can run. He can generate with his uh, with his feet. He can throw the ball. Uh, he's got to learn to read things a little bit better. I think. Uh, and, you know that being said. A lot of good stuff, but we also saw a lot of raw stuff. A lot of stuff that says he was in Waterloo last year. Let's not forget that, right? He wasn't <laughs> playing in a in a big U.S. college, and he wasn't, you know, in that pro style. Uh, so he he's got a lot to learn still. But man, uh, the the sky's the limit with this kid, and I think him and Cornelius next year are going to be a great combination. They have to figure out a way to to kind of get them both on the field. And I think that's going to be on, on Chris Jones and, and Stephen McAdoo to figure out a way to get them both on the field enough to make an impact. But yeah, they could be a pretty good combination for a couple of years, both both signed for the next two years as well, which is which is certainly good news. I, I really like the way he battled too, because things didn't go well for him. After the touchdown pass, things didn't go well for him for a while. And then all of a sudden he had, you know, he was under a hundred yards passing pretty deep into the game. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of clicked for him, and and granted, I think BC might have taken their foot off the pedal a little bit, but he took advantage of that, which is what you have to do. And uh, he finished with what two hundred and seventy some yards passing, and could have had two more touchdowns, right? I mean, uh, he just yeah. missed Darrell Walker, who was wide, who, who was wide open at the ten yard line with nobody around him. Uh, actually, he missed. You know, he missed seeing Walker at the back of the end zone too late in yep. the game. And then that one that went into Kyle Oxley's hands and out uh, right at the end of the game. He, he could have produced more points, but didn't get a lot of help and, uh, and, and made some mistakes. So to me, that's, that's the goal. You know, that's what I take away from the game. I was really looking forward to watching them play. And man, I loved some of the flashes we saw, some of the stuff we saw. Like, oh, wow, that guy can do it. He's an athlete and he can throw the ball. He can run with the ball. Uh, but there's lots to learn still. So, you know, we're all going to have to be patient with him. He's not, you know, Taylor Cornelius is coming in as a starting quarterback next year. There's no doubt about that uh, in my mind uh, of the group that they have now. And, and it's his job and, and he'll start the season there. But they got to figure out a way to move Trey Ford in and give him an opportunity to get better in advance as well. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And uh, on that passing note, that oh, that when he threw that touchdown to Dylan Mitchell, um, I turned to Nicole and said, "That man, I haven't seen a ball thrown like that since James Franklin was here. What a beautiful throw that was! <laughs> Just a beautiful spiral arc. Love it. Love it. I'll take it. One all of the day. best fade routes, fade throws you will see. Um, it was it was a thing of beauty." Yeah, and the way absolutely. the way that the trajectory of the ball, how it changed. I mean, if you watch it, that ball, he that just how he threw it, it fades away from Gary Peters. It actually moves away from Gary Peters. It was a, it was a beautiful fade throw, uh, and well, great catch by Mitchell as well. So that's what and I was I saying at training camp. It was. It, you were saying that. That is. It was true. angelic. I, uh, Angels carry that ball. Like that's how beautiful it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's for you, Trey. It's for you, D-Mitch. Yeah. There you go. Sorry, Gary. I, 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 well, I thought he underthrew it, and then it 
just he did not carry perfectly right to the right spot. It was oh, it was beautiful. Chef's kiss, beautiful. I'll I'll, I'll take it. Um, all right, well, we could dwell on more bad stuff, but let's not do that. Let's get on to um, some more good and bad in 2022. So, um, you were t- you talked about there's some bright spots to build on. We talked about them signing Dylan Mitchell, uh, three year contract to the end of 2025. I was really impressed that it was a three year contract. That's amazing. Um, so I, we, everyone knows you can get that jersey, and he'll be around for a while. Um, but uh, Guys, tell us what are the other bright spots that you saw? Who are the other bright players that or bright spots in the coaching even that you think uh, that we're going to build on for next year? Well, I'll start. Uh, to me, it's Kevin Brown. Like that's the, that's the brightest spot. Yeah. If I pick a guy in offense and a guy in defense, I pick Kevin Brown on offense. Just he was magnificent. I don't, I don't know. I know his numbers, his average, and everything took a dip on on the game on Friday night because he didn't, he wasn't as successful as he had been. But uh, the kid's a keeper. There's no doubt about that. Uh, really, really sparked the offense. I mean, he can do it on the ground. He's showed himself pretty reliable out of the backfield as a receiver as well. So, to me, that's that's the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to seeing on offense uh, moving forward. On defense, I would go with uh, Enoch McConza, who uh, was a, a, a first-round draft pick and didn't start the season as a starter, worked on special teams and got injured, uh, missed a couple of games, and then came back. But when he was moved into the starting position at that linebacker spot, uh, he just took off. He just settled in. He's, he's, he's just a really good football player. He gets to the ball carry. He makes tackles, made a lot of tackles in the time he was a starter. And I think the, uh, the sky's the limit for this guy as well. He could be a very, very good player moving forward. So to me, those are the two, two bright spots, uh, one on offense, one on defense. If I had to pick something on special teams, it's Christian Salisbury, who, who really came on at the end of the year and, and solved maybe a problem that's bugged this team for a long, long time. And that's, getting a consistent uh, kick returner in place. So uh, to me, those are the positives uh, moving forward. There's lots of other things. There was some other good young players that came aboard from, from Dylan Mitchell and, uh, you know, on offense. And and I think uh, I really liked uh, Donovan Olamba at the end of the year, uh, at the cornerback spot, had an interception in the game on Friday. Didn't, didn't get a stat in his first CFL game, which is pretty good because usually they'll be picking on you, right? Playing your first CFL game, but uh, receivers on his side never got open. So uh, he didn't have to tackle them. So uh, he, he played pretty well. So there's, again, there's, there's lots of guys, you know, um, that are, you know, if, if they sign and come back, they're going to take the next step and, and be a better team. So if I discuss the return game, is it going to scurry away? <laughs> I think that's what I'm afraid of. I don't want to declare that this team has a return game because it might run away scared. Like a, it's like Groundhog Day. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, don't don't let don't let the special teams see their shadow. Yeah. Exactly. So but he came aboard. I know he was in camp and I was pretty impressed with him in camp, but I, I didn't see him I don't recall we saw him much as a returner. I think that was more Jalen Marshall. Um but he comes in, I believe, Labor Day rematch. So from Labor Day rematch to the end of the season, I mean how many games is that? About five games? Something like that, five, six games. So yeah, six games. Yeah. yeah. So he produced three punt returns of 30 yards or more, two kickoff returns of 40 yards or more, and I believe he had a 35-40 yarder on a missed field goal. In five games, he had six explosion returns. What's an explosion return? That's what fans of this team, what is an explosion return? Other than our special Other teams, you look at them and you look at them and you know, they're gone. He used to I'll say this explosion about, returns. Yes. <laughs> oh. 
catch and fall down. I just yeah. got it. That was good, Marley. Um, <laughs> I'll say this about I'm a professional, Dave. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, anyway, um, falling apart here. The special teams at the beginning of the year was the worst phase of this group, which is hard to say because the other two weren't very good. But it was awful. They couldn't cover kickoffs or punts. They couldn't return. Sergio Castillo was struggling. Um, you know, Mangle came in. Matt Mangle came in pretty good the first few games and then had a couple of struggles. And then Chris Jones really wanted John Ryan to come in. And I thought John struggled a bit, and they had the, the block kicks and all that, and that was frustrating. But then by the end of the season, I'm going, this phase might be their most consistent now. I mean, the way that they perform, the way that they operate, the return game, the cover game. I mean, it looks goofy what Sergio Castillo does on kickoff, but it works because you're giving it into the hands of a returner who's not a returner, and they have to think about, can I recover this ball? Can I field this ball cleanly? And there was a number of occasions that, well, you know, three, four, that didn't happen. But that gives the cover team a chance to just go down and, and lay a lick on a, a, you know, an unsuspecting returner. So it didn't look all that great. I mean, you're giving up some yardage, but at the same time, you're like, no, hey, we'll take we'll take the ball in the 37 or the 38 instead of, you know, risking a, a deep kick and having a returner gash us anyway. Um, and then Sergio Castillo, the way he turned around, and it was John Ryan yeah. uh, that turned him around. Um, on Saturday, when uh, during the final media veil, uh, Sergio said, before John Ryan came in, I was clipping at 78% a success rate in field goals. That's not very good. And he says after John Ryan, it was 95%. He calmed Peter at G down and he helped Sergio Castillo. I mean, it was amazing the turnaround. And then, you know, we're going to miss John Ryan as a punter. He's one of the greatest punters in pro football, but he's one of the greatest holders in pro football as well. So the special teams for me is, is the big story. And I think, you know, again, the character of of the group, you know, and, Last year's team, I'm not going to say this about everyone, but there wasn't enough quality when it comes to character on the team. This team has good character. They enjoyed playing with each other. They enjoyed being under this coaching staff. They enjoyed being here. And I think you're going to see, you know, see that played out uh, with the number of extensions that I'm sure is going to be announced between now and, you know, February, whenever free agency begins in early February. So, um, those are two that I would I would uh, pinpoint as positive. I mean, that's awesome. I agree with all the picks you guys had. Um, Jake Ceresna is another guy that I thought had a stellar year. Uh, no longer a surprise, really, for most of us. Uh, he's just one of those guys that's sort of taken over, especially with Almondo having left a few years ago. And it seems to be that he is the straw that stirs that drink on the D-line. When he came back from his injury, he was unbelievable. I mean, yeah. he was. He, yeah. when he get, I think yeah. he had nine sacks in nine games the first nine games back, and that's that's pretty incredible from the inside, especially. Although he was moving outside a little bit on some plays and stuff, but yeah, he he had a he had a monster year for sure. There's no doubt about that, and uh, he'll be a guy. And, and you know, we talked to him on Saturday, and he wants to come back. He might get some NFL interest, uh, but he wants to come back. He wants to be a part of it. Yeah, he's got a lot of faith in Chris Jones and what he's trying to do and what he's building, and and and. And he wants to be back. That's another thing that hit me on Saturday. I talked to a lot of guys 
some of them on, some of them off the record. And the general feeling I got was they want to be back, you know, veteran players. They want to be back because they can feel things are about to turn. They feel that they're close and, and they know that Chris Jones is going to make the right additions uh, over the off season that will hopefully get them, get them over the top. And I, I don't mean they're going to go from four and 14 to 14 and four, but they got an opportunity to, to really, uh, you know, I think vie for a playoffs. But when you, when you look ahead, you know, I, I, you know, Saskatchewan's got some big issues to deal with. And we've been saying this for, you know, what, 10, 12 years now, Calgary's going to take a step back. Right. Uh, and uh, <laughs> maybe they've started to now with a third place finish again. So yeah, who knows? I, I, I think, you know, with the right additions, uh, they certainly have the right frame of mind and the right, uh, I think the right character, but they got to make some additions. They got to be better. You know, they got Let's be honest. You got to win some home games, right? That would be nice. And, and yeah. uh, they got to be, they got to be a better football team. There's no doubt about that, but um they got they got the they got the bricks laid right now, so uh, they're they're getting there. Finally, have a foundation that we can build off. <laughs> exactly, a group of players who you can say, you know, this is our core group of guys. These are the guys we're going to build around. Now let's you know go out and bring some guys in and add to yeah. the list. Oh, for sure. Um, so we talked about some of the good stuff. Uh, let's sort of flip that coin. What were some of the hardest stuff for you guys to watch over this last season? I mean, you talked about uh, very few players came back. I think I counted there was 20 players that played a snap in 2021 that were actually on the roster, and and I think seven or eight of them got traded or cut during the season. What was the hardest parts for you guys, especially from your vantage point to watch? H- hardest point uh, part for me was every BC Lions game. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Those were hard to watch. Those were hard to watch. For whatever reason, the Lions had the Elks number uh, this year. A lot of that was Nathan Rourke in the first two games, for sure. Uh, but yeah, to me, to me, and and I'll, Dave, we spent so much time talking about this with with Chris Jones and with some of the players. Just the sixty minute game, right? They could never. Yeah. They looked. They looked really good at times, you know. And then that same team that looked really good, you know, next quarter looked really bad. And, and, you know, and it went from, you know, we saw it on Friday night up seven, nothing and playing well to down a bunch and, and no hope. And we saw that so many times. So, you know, whether it be the other team got up early and then they started to come back and play better or, or vice versa. To me, that was the biggest Achilles heel on this team is that they could not play 60 minutes and they could not play together. You know, when the defense was good, the offense wasn't. When the special teams were good, neither defense was stopping or offense was, was scoring. And, you know, it just, they never, they never all got together to play 60 minutes of football. And I really, when I think about it, there weren't many games where they're even close to that. You know, we saw flashes. We saw some real good spurts from, from all three sides of the ball, but it's, it was rarely in the same quarter of a football game. And, and I think that cost them a lot of games over the season. Yeah. It's just, you know, when they play complimentary football, you sure got flashes to, you know, this is Chris Jones football. Like this, this is really Chris Jones football. Like they play tough. They play with the killer instinct. They play with the attitude. But you know, I, I think what's disappointing to me is, and you know, Chris Jones used a couple of phrases on our post game show about one being the lack of concentration, and he says it starts in practice, and it's basically just you know staying in the in the game mentally. And, uh, when it went south, it was spectacular. Like when it, like I talk about those crazy runs that they would allow in points and this team couldn't get it back together at all. It, it, you were waiting for the bad thing to happen. And I think they were waiting for the bad thing to happen because it was in their heads. I think by the end of the year, 
it got a bit better, but still, you know, you look at the, the game against the Argos, when you're leading or tied for most of it and you relinquish the lead for the first time with 27 seconds to go, you either can or you can't. This isn't a tri-league. You can or you can't. They can't. Good teams know how to win in the fourth quarter. Bad teams lose in the fourth quarter. And you, you look at the the, the, the the Great Cup year in 2015. How many games did they win by the skin of their teeth? You know, Chris Jones plays very razor-edge, low-event football, um, tough defensive football, time of possession on offense. You know, Sean White had to kick a 53-yarder. You know, they, Morley and I, you know, remember the game in Calgary where that was, what, 16-12. I mean, they just played so well defensively. But they believed. They believed. So we go back to the Argo game. The Argos believed that they were going to win. The Elks believed they were going to screw it up somehow. And that's what happened. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other the other thing that uh, – the other phrase that, that comes to mind from Chris Jones on our post-game shows, he says, we need to play with a certain level of intelligence. And this is where penalties come into play. You know, I, I remember the second game against the Riders in Edmonton on, on August 13th. And the Riders come in and they pull a lot of – you know, there's a lot of after-whistle stuff. They're – they're extra push, extra comment, that sort of thing. And it's unbelievable how so many players, okay, maybe just a handful. I mean, Mark Cordy, mild matter Mark Cordy got ejected because he got <laughs> two two disqual or two uh, misconduct penalties. Like, that's crazy. You know, Niles Morgan got one. I think Kyle Oxley got one. I hope I'm not mixing up games because it happened too many times this year where they just did not play with a lot of smarts. You know, and I think that probably got better by the end of the year, they were, I don't think it was a level of smarts the why they lost. I think it's just, you know, one, they're not good enough. And two, believe played into it. And, you know, they're just, they're just not a really, you know, finished product yet, of course. But, um, you know, for, for me, I think the, the level of belief, you know, the mental side of the game is something that they will have to improve, but it's all about, it's all experience. So, you know, I, I expect a number of these players to be back next year and, with the support of other players that are signed, brought in that sort of thing. And let's see what this group does. But, um, you know, for me, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just playing, you got to play three phase football to win and, you know, playing 60 minute games is hard in any sport and it's definitely hard in football. But if you play complimentary football for the most part and be that, that, that team in the fourth quarter that just is so steely and stubborn and says, I don't care how we're playing. We're not losing this game. That's the next level I think this team needs to get to. 100%. Yeah, I mean, you have some of that shining spots and some of the negative, and I think that plays into the complement, at least the good stuff, the positive stuff, plays very complementary to what happened off the field for the Elks as well. So for you guys, I know, I know we can all agree on one huge, bright, shining star that happened off field, but what were some of the best parts that happened for you guys off field, not so much with the players and the coaching, but let's say in office, in house stuff. Go ahead, Dave. Oh, well. <laughs> I was gonna say, who wants to go first? Everybody <laughs> jump in at the same time. Yeah. I, I just think it just felt normal. Like we were able to kind of be ourselves again. And you know, it just it just felt, you know, other than I'm, you know, missing two games with COVID. I mean, for, for for the most part, it just felt more like a normal year. Like by the end of it, it just felt like how it should feel. 
Um, you know, I don't know. Off the field, it was, you know, I, you know, if we relate it to the football team, I'm so happy there's no turmoil with this team. Even though there's there's a section of the fan base who, you know, I may compare to Euler Twitter. Who, you know, <laughs> everything is a problem. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> they love finding problems. Yeah. And I'm not saying there isn't problems, but there's no turmoil with this team anymore. You know, th- this is a this is a good group to deal with. And uh, I really enjoyed the year where honestly last year was just like getting to the off season. Like there was a part of, there was some relief that the season was over this year, but there was some sadness because, you know, this, this is a good group. This is a really good group to deal with. So um, yeah, it was just nice to just have a more of a normal season where, you know, we could kind of, well, not kind of, we, we got together more, we were around people more. And I think that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going to go with it too. The, the the thing that I enjoyed getting back to this year that we missed in, in 2021, all the interviews we did with players were via Zoom or from six feet away. Uh, I enjoyed getting into a situation where you could stand beside a guy and, and do a one-on-one interview and talk to him. Or I could go up to a guy after practice and just sit down and talk with him. Uh, and I remember having some great chats with a with a couple of guys during the season, just just talking with him not no microphone nothing was rolling on it we were just talking and talking about football and talking about their families and stuff like that and I just loved that I love that aspect of it again to be able to get back to to finding out some cool stories because to me the players stories are so great every player on the team has some sort of great story to tell and it was so hard in 2021 to find those stories uh, because we couldn't get any time with the players this year we were able to go up to a player after practice and just just talk to him. Just shoot the breeze and just say, "Hey, how's it going? What was it like? You know, your first game. Who you got watching? Whatever the case may be." And it was uh, to me that was because that's that's what I love doing. That's what I, I love talking to the players and finding out some stories. And we got to do that again this year, which is which is maybe away from the game and off the field. That was m- maybe my biggest takeaway this year. Do you find too like the communication from the Elks like in house staff was different? Maybe more positive, or I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like. As far as with Victor leading the helm and stuff, how did that? Yeah, change I, I mean, I think that turned yeah. around a lot last year um, with mm-hmm. with the communication staff they put in place, led by Evan Dom, and then they added uh, Hernan Salas this year, who uh, who did a great job. Uh, you know, the the cool thing about this year was we talked to those guys face to face. Twenty one, yeah. it was all via text and and you yeah. know, an email and stuff. So uh, it was uh, it was good. Uh, it was good. I, I think the you know the relationship with us and the, and the team is, is pretty solid. And and I think it goes back and forth. We had some great communication this year and I think everything's fine there. So uh, yeah, it's, you know, that's all part and parcel of being able to talk to each other again, face to face and, 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 you know, sort things out. Yeah, absolutely. It was, there were so many good parts about it. And I think about, you know, tailgate and all the people that showed up there and all the people that showed up to the West of us. Can I, can I say, by the way, I I went out to the tailgate for about 15 minutes on Friday night and that, that really kind of really warmed my heart a little bit because it was so cool. Despite the situation that uh, the team was in, uh, I think everybody realized that, you know, this is it. 
Uh, it was good to be among my friends. I'm having a good time. Um, and it just looked like so many people were having such a good time out there on Friday night. And it was kind of cool to see because, uh, I don't get out there very often. A couple of times a year, we, you know, I get out there and, and, uh, grab a quick smoky or something from anybody who'll give me food and, uh, and, and then, uh, and, and talk to people. And it was so cool. It was, you know, walking through and everybody's saying hi and everybody's talking to me and everybody just seemed like in such a good mood, which I thought yeah. was you know, considering the way the season had gone, it was kind of strange. But, I mean, that's such an important part of the Canadian Football League. You know, the the camaraderie of the fans and the CFL fam, hashtag CFL family, right? You know, that's that's kind of what it's all about. And I, I think on Friday night I saw that in, in full force, you know, when nobody was happy with the way things are going on the field and no one really had any great expectations for the night ahead. But, man, they're having a good time at the tailgate. So it was that was really cool to see. Yeah, we had a lot of those this year where it yeah. didn't really matter what was going on inside. Everyone was good to just hang out and to uh and we had so many people from other teams coming, which was great. We were we were missing that before too. So, um yeah, lot, lots of good things to to see there and to, and to build on for sure. Uh we're going to do a really quick hoard and tell and uh, and then we'll get into some of our looking forward to 2023. Uh but before we do that, this episode is also brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic to say the least, and Alberta Blue Cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental, life and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, they can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time and on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business, and Alberta Blue Cross has your back. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. That's ab.bluecross.ca. And back to the show. And I knew that I got the top one all smooth, so I had to screw that one up somewhere. Okay. Um Super fan, do you have uh, a bit of uh, a horde for us? This yeah, I, uh, I received something this week that I thought was uh, kind of cool. It's one of those slightly different things that I didn't know existed, so it's always kind of fun to see. Uh, I've sort of brought some of this before, um, and these are always kind of fun. These are bobbleheads from the 1960s. Oh my God, yes. um, got the double zero on the back. Uh, absolutely sort of that cherubic kind of face right here. This is uh, sort of an early 60s, 1960, 61, 62, when we had the stripes on the shoulder like that. Um, there was a similar one that would have come out the year before, and that looks like this one. This one's got a base made out of wood. This one's got a, a ceramic base. They're about an inch apart. This is seven. This is six inches. And the one I got today, or sorry, this week, is a little five-inch version here. As you can see, it's even smaller than this one. Absolutely tiny. It does have the name of the city on the back. And just so you can sort of compare what a modern one might look like, and and uh, I have to admit I did this one just for our guests here. There's a lovely little modern there's one right there. It's, it's kind of lifelike, isn't it? It's yeah, yes, it is. Very... Well, it's not talking, so it's not lifelike. Well, that's <laughs> true. I have one to my left. There's more than two. There's more than one of them. It's scary. Yeah, isn't that terrifying? I mean, it's almost the third quarter of this podcast. I thought it was a good time to to bring out Halsey, and you know, we can all sing the uh, the anthem there. But yeah, yeah so as but... I said, it's uh, one of those things that early '60s. There was so just an absolute phenomenal time for collectors across the league. Um, I did get along with it. Let me see if I can grab that. There's a BC Lions one. Nice. Ooh, cool. And uh, Montreal Alouettes. 
Oh, yeah. Nice. So those kind of all came together. So I got a few things for the trade pile to go along with the Edmonton one. So, yeah. Kind of I saw that one coming up and it was red. I'm like, you don't have no. it. No. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, yeah, good. We're that safe. Was, gonna say, that, was a, that was a close one. Uh, I have a little bit of uh, quick horde and tell to add on that I'm just going to do this evening. Um, I, I have uh, some family friends that, um, uh, like, I've known since I was probably three. So it was, uh, it was always Auntie Debbie and Uncle Barry and they, you know, not directly related, but family friends. And uh, unfortunately, Uncle Barry passed away earlier this year. And I got a message uh, from my aunt saying, well, he has these hats that are Elks hats. I'm wondering if you'd be interested in them. And um, little did I know until, uh, until she sent me the pictures that they had some signatures on them. So Ooh. here's and um, I know that Mike, you'll be able to read out a but I so you've got uh, there's Moss, you know, AJ Gas, uh, yep, yeah, uh, Ed Hervey over there. Yep. We've got uh, and of course our our good friend uh, Rick in the middle there. So that's yep. good, and even a uh, uh, Tom Higgins in there. So oh, that's a, very nice. We don't very regularly see, so I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. And then the second one, um, and I had one of these hats back when it happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And uh, and that one also has a bunch of signatures on it there. So um, some really, uh, really good stuff. And uh, I was really happy to be able to add those to my collection with some uh, signatures that I hadn't even seen for ever. So that was kind of nice to have. So Very that's awesome. my little addition to the Horde and Tell this evening. Now, let's... Um, Let's talk about 2023 because uh, there, we just talked about some bright spots on this team. Um, I guess the first question is, uh, are they looking for a new in-game host and where do I apply? No, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, what, we, we talked about some of the bright stars. Um, are the, are the, what are all the guys that you guys think that they build around for this team? They, uh, obviously, you said, you know, Kevin Brown... Taylor Cornelius. Have um, that list that we compiled, I, Morley. I have. I was just looking. My briefcase is too far away to reach. Uh, Dave and I did that exact same thing uh, this week at practice. Okay. We wrote down all the numbers of, of guys that we say, yeah, they're a part of it moving forward. There's actually more numbers than I thought there would be uh, when we went okay. and we went through it all, which is which is kind of nice because you know that kind of shows maybe you're further ahead than you thought, right? Um, but yeah, I, I, I you know, we've kind of talked touched on 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 the guys uh, for the most part you know you got you got Kevin Brown and Dylan Mitchell and I, I think there's a couple of guys on on offense that I'd like to to see come back older guys who who were uh, you know instrumental and had some success and one of them would be Darrell Walker who despite having a slow start and some injuries finished with uh, over 800 yards this year. So he was on, he would have had a thousand yards if he would have played every game this yeah. year. So uh, I, I think he still can, uh, he can still help. And he's a guy who said he wants to be back next year. Uh, Kenny Lawler would be great to have back as well uh, in that receiving core for sure. I don't know if that's going to happen or not though. I don't know uh, what he expects from uh, financially from a CFL team or if there'll be NFL interest in him uh, uh, defensively. I, I think they're, they're set. Uh, hopefully, Niles Morgan can get healthy and play. And I Hopefully. think uh, I think the the linebacking core is set. 
uh, pretty well if, if, especially if Niles Morgan can, can come back and, and get healthy. Uh, the D line is pretty good. I think they need a rush end though. I think they need a guy who can really get after the quarterback, uh, from that rush end position. Uh, and just like last year, I think there's going to be some change in, in the defensive backfield. I, I think that's, uh, that's where they're going to go to and have to do a little bit of work on, um, you know, there's some guys who are older and are kind of journeymen a little bit and, and, and played well at times. And I think Chris Jones has to make the decision whether or not they fit long term or if they were just part of the Band-Aid solution moving forward. And I think everybody knows that's guys like Ed Ganey and, and Tristan Decoud. I think Scott Hutter had a great year. Uh, and uh, and we'll be back, obviously, after signing an extension. I really liked Olamba uh, in his two games, as I mentioned earlier. So they kind of got some pieces to the backfield in place. Uh, Makonza as well at the Sam linebacker spot. So uh, there's there's a pretty good group, and we know the quarterbacks. All three quarterbacks will be back next year. They're under contract for next year, so that's another another bright spot. And I think, and, and Taylor Cornelius talked about it on, on Saturday at, uh, at cleanup day and said it's the first time since his senior year at college he left a team and knows that when he comes back to the team, he's going to be the number one guy. And I think that changes how you how you work out. I think that changes how you think. And I think that gives you an awful lot of confidence going into the offseason and preparing to come back next year. So uh, hopefully he can take the steps, uh, you know, match the steps he took this year to and make more steps next year to become an even better quarterback. And I mean, he had... I think he ended up having his have 19 starts now in his, in his CFL career, maybe 20, but 19. So it, it's a little over a season. And if you look at his numbers, you know, combine the two seasons, uh, pretty decent numbers for, for a quarterback, you know, especially a young quarterback. And I'll go back and say what we've said many times. I mean, everyone compares rookie quarterbacks to, to all the other young quarterbacks and they'll say, you know, Taylor Cornelius wasn't what a, uh, you know, what wasn't what a Michael Riley was in his first year as a starter, wasn't what a Bo Levi was or, or whoever you pick. But Taylor Cornelius never got those three years to, Mm-hmm. to apprentice you know most most of those guys get a year in the practice roster two years as a as a backup and then move into the starters role either with their team or some other team he never got that instead he got thrown to the wolves two days ahead of the winnipeg blue bombers for his first start excuse me and i think uh and i think he you know he had some issues that first year three games in seven days was just unfair to put him into that and i'm i'm still surprised that uh, nick arbuckle didn't get a start in one of those three games and, and play uh so you you, you kind of put it all together and, and the numbers are pretty decent and the arrow's up for him, but he's got to take the next step now and, and become and become even better next year and take a hold of things. I noticed in the in the game against Toronto there was one when I was watching the game over again on TV, he was walking off the field and he was mad. He was mad. He was you could tell he was cursing a little bit and he was angry and you know he had his helmet up on his head and uh, and I and I think I thought oh, that's a good sign. That's that's showing some emotion. And you know, there's nothing. You know, Ricky Ray wasn't emotional, so there's nothing wrong with being an unemotional quarterback, right? Uh, but we we kind of got used to to Michael Riley and and his emotion and stuff over the last uh, you know seven or eight years. But uh, I really like to see that from Taylor, and I'm looking forward to him coming back and knowing it's my team and going to camp and saying it's my team. And and I think that's going to be pretty big next year for him. Um. I would want to take one thing, though. Michael Riley's first season in 2013 as a starter, very similar numbers to Cornelius, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's quite and surprising, and the same but, record. But he also had three years in BC before that, though. 
under a, a professional like Lule as well. Yeah, and he was he was in the he was in the quarterback room, and he got a chance to yeah. play a little bit here, a little bit there. He got that start against the Elks uh, in that one game where for his first start in in Vancouver. So that's a difference. So you say that okay? So you take those those numbers and say they're very similar, and you know both got beat up, both had their issues, both won yeah. you know four and fourteen teams, right? And, and then they took the next step. Uh, Riley especially took the next step the next you know the next two years he became uh, he became one of the best quarterbacks in the league at that time so I'm not saying Taylor Cornelius is on that same path but you got to be patient right uh, yeah. you got to be patient and allow them to learn and allow them to grow I mean you got you can almost you got to almost throw out four starts in his well three starts anyway in in his season last year you know that first start against Winnipeg and the last two starts of the season in you know the last two games of that three games in seven in seven days I mean he already he, I don't think he lasted past the first quarter in the second game, right? Or in the third game, I mean, in, in Vancouver when, when the when the Lions uh, blew out the Elks. So uh, you, if you throw those out, especially too, and then look at the numbers, that takes a lot of interceptions off the table too. And, mm-hmm. and I know that was kind of the thing that everybody looked at early on and saying, you know, wow, he's got a lot of interceptions. But a lot of those interceptions, I think he had three in the first game against Winnipeg, and then he had like yeah. six or seven in that three games in seven days. That's uh, 10 you interceptions those, you can take away in four games. Yeah, exactly. You take those off the table, and all of a sudden his stats look way better than they actually than than they are if you, if you include them, right? And I know you can't change, you can't manipulate them. They happened, right. and, and he threw them. But there's an asterisk, I think, beside it. And Riley had a bunch of interceptions in his first year as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Again, his numbers are very similar to Cornelius's. Yeah, Riley wouldn't step out of bounds either when he was running the football. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> when he should have, yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Mike, why don't you go ahead and we'll get Dave on this next one? Oh, sure, absolutely. So, um, we touched on it a little bit. Morley did on what he'd like to see um, improved on the defensive side, but what area of the team do you think is going to need the most attention going into twenty twenty three? Offensive line. Yes. yes. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Um, I was. Maybe, that's it. I don't know that's if all he's saying. Offensive line done. And period. End of I, the conversation. No <laughs> doubt about it. And and two things on that. Um, I don't know if you noticed on on Saturday, Dave, when when Chris Jones and he loves to talk about players by their numbers. When when he was asked about guys in place, he said uh, four, seventeen, and sixty. Uh, yep. so he obviously mm. likes uh, Garnett and the way he played in, yeah. in the, uh, in the last few games, he had a rocky start to his CFL career. His first couple sure of games, uh, he got beat a lot, but he got, obviously got better. They kept him in that spot and didn't make a move. So obviously they saw some improvement and I thought it was kind of neat that Chris Jones would mention him in the group of players, that group of young players that he liked that kind of set the table moving forward. And secondly, did you see Tony Washington's Instagram post today? Well, it looks uh, it, like he wants to come back. I think because he went out uh, on the injured list, and, and I know I did an antler up with him, and, and he was talking about this was kind of the, the farewell tour, and he never got to finish the farewell tour because mm-hmm. he spent the, you know, the last uh, six or eight games, I guess it was. I'm not sure how many on the on the injured list, and he kind of said, uh, I don't want to quit. I, I feel like I can do it again. So um, maybe he's going to come back, and I mean – Tony's pretty cagey. He's 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 pretty good. Uh, you know, he's getting up there in age, but I mean, age doesn't seem to affect offensive linemen, especially the good ones and the smart ones, right? Uh, uh, age doesn't bother him. They just they just play smarter as they get older. Well, one thing I would worry about Tony though is his knees, because um, right. they they failed him again this year. Um, but he was when he played, he was good. 
on a line that wasn't very good. On Friday, I watched, and I actually, when I reviewed the game today, I watched three players specifically on the O-line. One was Garnett, and I thought, okay, yeah, I'm kind of seeing the same things. I thought he played pretty well. The other was Foucault, because I'm like mm-hmm. a position change from left guard to left tackle. Um, he's big. I don't like his feet. I, I just don't like his feet. He He's not strong on his feet. He gets knocked down easy. The other is Gibbon, Jesse Gibbon at left guard. I thought he played pretty well. And he's got to start next year because you trade a quality of a David Beard and you get a second-round yeah. pick, and Jesse Gibbon comes with that trade, and he's a former second overall pick. He's got to start, and he's got to make an impact. And I thought he was not too bad. I thought he played pretty well on Friday. But that being said, you better bring in some competition on that old line. And I think I think every single spot has to be contested for. I'm not giving anyone a free pass on that line. They have to find the right five because I don't think that five played very well. Whatever it was, they didn't play well enough, in my opinion. It did affect Taylor Cornelius. It, it affected the other quarterbacks to some degree. Um, but they didn't. They didn't play well enough, you know. And and you know, I'm happy they could run the football. And that's what bothers me though is that they ran the football so well that should open up your passing game, and the passing game didn't do enough, in, in mm-hmm. my opinion. It was they were very explosive. You know, the the only play that seemed to be consistent was the twenty plus or thirty plus play. They couldn't stay on the field to save their life half the time, and I understand about Taylor's trajectory and he's coming into his third season and, and Riley had four seasons by the time he was a starter in 2013. 2023 is a critical year for quarterbacking and for Taylor Cornelius. We need to see steps because here's two things I don't like. I don't like his completion percentage and you can say it doesn't matter. In this game it does because completion yeah, percentage because helps completion you percent- stay on the field. Yep. His decision making needs to be better. He needs to forget the fact he's got this big arm. Because damn it, he can throw it down the field. There's no question about it. His decision-making, other than that, is is very spotty. He doesn't know when to release the pocket. He doesn't know when he should stay in the pocket. He can't hit a check down consistently enough. I like his battle, and I like the things that he brings to the table as far as being able to move the ball. He's not consistent enough for my liking. He needs to take a step, or else this organization has a question to ask themselves at this time, you know, at, you know next season. Um, can Trey Ford take a step? You know, just because it's Taylor's job doesn't mean it's going to be his job, but I think it will be his job. That's that's what I think. Um, the secondary has to improve. And again, I'm, other than Scott Hutter, I want competition everywhere. I think Alumba could be someone that they could bring in and start, no question. Ganey, um, I don't know what to think about him because was he victimized by the inexperience around him or is he starting to lose a, a bit of a step? I don't know. Decoud's interesting. <laughs> I love Tristan Decoud, but he can be steady and he can be all over the place. He's like that balloon that you blow up and then you let it go and it just goes all over the place. That's Tristan Decoud to me. But there's a lot to like about him. And don't forget, AG's going to come back next year, I'm sure. Aaron Grimes. Mm-hmm. How much? And good night, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Morley. Dave, thanks for joining us. Yeah, that was great. Uh, disappeared completely. That was interesting. All right. Um, 
he's right though. Aaron Grimes will be back, so that's good. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> we did get that much. That was a good thing. Um, all right. Well, now now I know Dave's gone, but uh, Commissioner, we might as well talk about the next question, and then we can carry on. And oh, hopefully, Dave will join us. Back. Yeah. Um, so, do we have any inclinations on who's going to be up for a free agent? Uh, or are there any free agents that do you think CJ is going to be looking at? Uh, you're talking on the Elks? Yeah. Uh, on their own free agents? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, almost everybody, right? The whole league, like 75 to 80% of the league is on one-year contracts, aren't Jeez. they? Like, what, what, we, what we do know is uh, that the quarterbacks are all signed for next year. Um, uh, Cornelius and Ford have two more years left on their deals uh, and one more year left for Ty Longsley. We know that. And... Uh, uh, there, are, there's been, you know, they've signed a couple of guys. Gibbon signed uh, an extension. Scott Hutter signed an extension. Um, someone else whose name escapes me right now also signed an extension at some point this year as well. So, you know, he's starting to chip away at it. But, yeah. the, you know, Kenny Lawler's the biggest name I think yeah. that's out there as far as free agency goes uh, for the Elks. Uh, most guys, you know, are on are on uh, a one year contract. So a lot of guys are are up this year. I did, and I said earlier, I talked to guys both on and off the record and they, I, I, you know, overwhelmingly got the the fact that they want to come back. They want to be part of what's going on here. They're very pleased with what's going on here. So, uh, you know, no one's happy with the way the season went, but they can see things are turning around, especially the guys who have been here for the two years and have seen, you know, what's happened from the start of last year to the end of this year. I think that, uh, I think that they're, they're pretty anxious to, to be a part of it and see it and see it through. So, uh, you know, the, the list will come out after the gray cup, uh, for mm-hmm. sure. But, uh, I think it's pretty safe to assume that most of the team are free agents, uh, because yeah. that's just how the CFL operates right now. Right. One year contracts, uh, for a bunch of guys, but to me, uh, um, uh, Serezna, is is one of the key guys on on defense that, that has and as I mentioned earlier, he might get some NFL looks. So we'll see. I I heard that that he's thinking about moving to Edmonton for the off season. So uh, that shows you the commitment he has. Oh, and wow. and I, I I imagine he'd probably wait till maybe after after the holidays and 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 everything and see if he gets any kind of NFL interest or not. But you know that's on the table. So that that could be that could be pretty good news. Uh, you know for the Elks if he's thinking about that, then obviously he wants to be back and he wants to play here. Well, that's awesome. All right. We got Dave back. Dave, the question we were talking about is free agents, both the Elks yep. and ones that uh, like on the Elks, but also free agents that they might target and what you might think of across the league. I'm going to blame Joe Balineski for that problem. Uh, that's probably his fault. <laughs> but it's, uh, Joe out. ruins a turf district. <laughs> Joe ruins the turf district. There you go. Oh, um, no. No. Yeah. I, mm, you know how I feel about talking about free agency now. Um, I know. I know. That's why I like asking the I question. Know. Why don't you squirm a little? Well, <laughs> I mean, I'll just go back to what I said. I mean, they they got they have to identify the O line. They have to identify the D line. They have to identify the secondary. I think they they probably could use maybe another receiver. Um, yeah, I mean. It'll be interesting to see what happens when that list comes out. And it'll be interesting to see what happens when the, when, you know, we can, you know, at some point the league is going to release after the season who's under contract. So that'll give us an indication of, of who's going to be back. But yeah, I mean, everyone's free agent list is long right now. I, I think if Chris Jones can sign more extensions, like more multi-year extensions, and I don't know how the, you know, how much guaranteed money will be involved in this deal. Cause remember if you sign a, 
at least a two-year deal. You can guarantee 50% of your final year, which is what Taylor Cornelius did. So that'll be interesting too. But there's no question that he'll, you know, I think Chris Jones will be active in free agency. You know, he said, he keeps repeating, he won't be as active. And uh, I, I think he's, you know, I think what I'm going to be interested to find out is he's talked a lot about the USFL and the XFL and how you cannot scout Division One NCAA as much as you used to and go to the big schools. He he needs to find diamonds in the rough in NC Div Two, NCAA Div Two, and Div Three. Uh, he says one AA and AIA, and you know he, he he's got this software where basically you can identify a player. He's got someone on his staff that just basically scours this site that can identify a player and where he is. And you can specifically go to that area instead of, well, I'm going to have a, you know, have a workout and, you know, uh, somewhere in Oklahoma and hopefully, you know, we get 40 players show up and we'll see what happens. He can actually go and find the player in the Pacific, in the specific location and scout him. That's pretty impressive. And I'll tell you one thing about how serious Chris Jones is about scouting this year. He's leaving town uh, midweek this week, and I'll bet he'll be watching three or four football games this weekend somewhere in the U.S. Yep. Uh, and and they might not be Division One games, probably won't be, but there'll be those those Div Two games that, that Dave was talking about, Div, Div Three maybe as well. Finding guys, you know, and I mean, you think about it. There's there's a lot of guys that have come out of those leagues that are pretty good players, and you know the first guy that comes to my mind is Brandon Zilstra, who came from a Division two school and yep, yep. Uh, is in the NFL now. So uh, yeah, it's it, it's going to be a lot of work, and I think the Elks will be able to add to their uh, their lineup in the football ops this year as well because I I believe they're going to get some money off the football ops cap because this year they were paying Brock Sunderland, they were paying Jamie Elizondo, and they're paying Noel Thorpe. And I think that some of that, if not all of that money, will be freed up next year so they can add that back into the budget and, and, and hire some scouts to look around and, and some bird dogs to be out shaking the trees a little bit. But how about this for free agency next year? They need a special teams coordinator, and they need a good one um, because yeah. it's – you know, they've had four of them in the last two seasons. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, if you, you know, f- I think five, maybe if you include Mike Shepard. Uh, so uh, yeah, there's, that's an issue they got to have. And I don't wish ill on anyone, but say it, say it. Come on. We're thinking it, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, right? Which, which way is East? Which way is East? Um, yeah, just over next door, right? Um, uh, there may be some changes in Saskatchewan. And I don't know, you know, Craig Dickinson is a really good offensive coordinator. I don't wish him any ill, but if he's on the market, uh, he and Chris Jones obviously have a relationship and he's been a part of his teams. And 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 I love when Chris Jones talks about his him as a coach. He always says we. He always says we. It's like when we did this and when we did that and we're trying to do this. And and that's his group of guys. And he's got a core group of guys that includes, you know, Stephen McAdoo and some of the other guys who have been with him. And, you know, they were here. They were in Saskatchewan. They were with him in Toronto last year a little bit. Uh, he joined them actually in Toronto a little bit. And he brought a lot of them here. And Craig Dickinson's one of those guys. And if uh, if he's available, I wouldn't be surprised if he's here. But that's, you know, and again, I wish no ill will to, to anyone, but that possibility is definitely out there. Well, I mean, think about it. The last time we had a return touchdown in a game, who was the special <laughs> teams coordinator? Craig Dickinson. Right. It's a yeah. long time ago too, right? 2015. 
2015 for punts and 2014 for kickoffs, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Oh, my. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Well, uh, Mike, did you happen to see a couple of good fan questions in there that we can throw to the gentleman before we uh, we do our quick predictions and go from there? Oh, there's going to be a lot of stuff in there. Um, Yeah. People were, uh, Chris Agar was asking, did anyone see the, Christian Salisbury, farewell to Edmonton. Uh, pure class, for sure. Again, we had him on the show. I, I thought he was outstanding. And, uh, yeah, it just seemed to be a, a salute as he goes back home and avoids the next five months of winter. And here, that's, so. that's maybe part of the character that Chris Jones has talked about a lot this year. Through through the wins and through the losses, he's always talked about the character that he has in the dressing room. And I think that shows you that uh, that there is a lot of that for a guy to do something like that. You know, And, I mean, he was only here for a couple – he was here early and got cut and only yeah. back for the last couple of months. But, obviously, the city and, and the team made an impact on him. So that's pretty cool. Coach Vic – yeah, Did we lose Dave again? Yeah. <laughs> Did Don't we lose Dave again? It's like, he's there. Oh, he's okay. I, don't, nope. I don't see him. I do. Weird. I do. Yeah. Oh, weird. I don't hear him or see him. So that's um, all right then. Well, that's fun. <laughs> Dave, we're not ignoring you. Just uh, Oh, he's gone now. Now he's there gone. There he goes. Fun. Uh, he, well, he took that personally, I think. Yep. Well, that's right. Well, then this one's for Morley. Um, Coach Vic wants to know, uh, do you have any relief that now that the season's over? A, a little bit. A little bit. Uh, you know, I, especially um, especially the first maybe week or so, but uh, I start to miss it really fast. I start yeah. to miss it really fast. I mean, uh, it's tiring. I'm not going to complain because i love my job but it's it's long days during the season and sure. uh i i you know because i'm up early to do to do sports on the morning show and then off to practice and everything so it's it's nice to get some some rest time and and turn uh turn a few of the 10 hour days into you know six or eight hour days uh but i'll miss it you know i'm, I'm i think i'm off next week and and probably when i come back after that in in early november i'll be I'll be, you know, starting to count them, especially once the playoffs start. You start watching them, and and you really wish you were involved in those playoff games and everything. So yeah, it's. I would say there is a bit of a sense of relief, especially when you get eliminated early. And I mean, the Alex got eliminated with two games left. You know, mathematically eliminated, but you know, for the last five or six games, you knew it was going to be a tough slug, right, to get yeah. to the playoffs. So it 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 was uh, it was difficult. The last couple of games are difficult because you, you still got a job to do, just like the players, and you still got to make the broadcast entertaining. You still got to do your job and 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 you know give everything you have to the fans and to the sponsors of the broadcast and everything. But yeah, I, I'll say I'm a, I'm a bit relieved because of the way the season, especially the last two seasons, the way they've gone. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of nice to 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 have it over with, but you know, like I said, I'll be, I'll be looking forward to, you know, next year in, in two weeks time, I'll be getting excited, start counting the days till training camp. What about you, Dave? Any sort of relief? I can tell you is having to do this every week. I, there's definitely a sense of relief. Okay. I think things popping back. Okay, Dave, we can hear you. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I got to really work on it's all that. good. Sorry about my Wi-Fi issues. Um, I believe I understand the uh, crux of the uh, question here, the way Morley was speaking. Um, do I miss it? Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, I think you miss the routine. You miss 
you know, you miss the the going to the stadium. You miss the you know the hanging out with with Morley and uh, planning and and all that. Human, and you dude. miss talking to players and coaches. And then you know, I, I do miss even though it's you know it's I'm up late a lot when Morley's sleeping. I'm working after he goes to sleep. Um, <laughs> it's you know doing doing lots of game prep and then. You know, leading to game day. You know, travel. Even though I, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of airplanes. Not that I'm afraid of flying. I just don't like it. You know, because it's not all that comfortable anymore. Um, but I, I miss the just the routine of it, and I miss I miss the feeling you get when you know you're preparing and when you're when you get the game day, and it's like okay, that's the easy part. You know. Um, but yeah, I mean. I try and really enjoy my off season because it's time to just decompress. It's time to, uh, unlike Chris Jones, I understand decompression very well. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, when it's snowing and blowing outside, like I don't miss football at all. Like I just don't, you know, like it's just, I'm good to, you know, just let it ride. But then free agency hits and then you're like, wow, man, like let's, let's go. And then combine hits, and then draft hits, and then you know your your full go. So I really enjoy my off season. Um, you know, really enjoy the family time, the extra time you get back to eight hour days instead of you know twelve or fourteen or whatever it is, and uh, just really enjoy it. But yeah, I mean, I do miss the the routine of it and just the the fun of it for sure. Because after a while, it does get kind of like okay this. Sometimes it gets a little monotonous your day, right? So um, it's just nice. It's just nice to, but I, like I say, it's just, it's nice to have the off season. And like Morley said, I think relief is a good word right now, just because it, it was tough and, uh, you know, look forward to better days. Absolutely. You can't miss it if you Absolutely. don't go away, right? Yep, Ooh. exactly. Um. That's very Just true. a couple more here. Uh, so this is uh, Scout from the Elks Herd, who was, uh, I, those at the game will maybe have noticed he was up on the big screen there with uh, Catherine talking about uh, being uh, season seat holders. Uh, is talking about uh, James Wilder Jr. is probably the only standalone player last year uh, that returned this year, and that's it. And then uh, birthday boy Ken Ludwig uh, says, uh, do we see the Elks bringing back Wilder Jr.? I, I think there's an issue with his neck. I don't know if I don't know if the neck will allow him to play. Let's just right. say that, um, which is unfortunate for James because um, we we saw the year he had last year, and he came in and you know was excited about this year, and unfortunately he he played with that neck injury for I think a couple of games, and that's that's tough, right? So, you know, I I would say that's probably a long shot at this stage, but, uh, you know, stranger things or miraculous things have happened, of course, but I would, I would say probably not. And I, I think we should add lucky to have him in our, in, in town too, because he was such an active guy in the community. He was, yeah, he, you know, he got hurt and I think he knew he was done for the season early on and could have gone home right then and there. Right. But, uh, stayed and uh, put his kids in school here and uh, did all sorts of activities in the community. He always 
after every home game, you saw people posting pictures on social media that uh, with James Wilder, and I think it was just terrific. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind in, in, uh, on, too, is he's got a pretty good business back home in Florida with his dad at, at their uh, Wilder Sports Camp or whatever they call it. And, and you know, they they run a fitness center, and uh, they're pretty busy there. So uh, there comes a point, and sadly, the way CFL paychecks go, there comes a point where players often – uh, it's better for them financially and better for their future if they, they move on from football. And that might be the case from, for James Wilder, who's already retired once a couple of years ago and then got talked uh, talked into coming back. So, uh, you know, good player, good person, really enjoyed the talks I had with him uh, over the last couple of years. And, and if he doesn't come back, um, it'll, it'll, it'll be tough not to have him around because he's such a great guy, you know, He's a fun-loving guy, always smiling, always having fun. So uh, I wish him well, but, you know, I mean, honestly, Kevin Brown, I don't know how you – you know, if, if James Waller is on the field, Kevin Brown's not. And I don't know if, if you want to keep Kevin Brown off the field next year. Yeah, well, the other part of that is the, the five of us are all like, yeah, we're going to miss James Waller because he's an excellent interview. But that's uh, – <laughs> Yep, but, that's for sure. Uh, that, that, that is how so that David, goes. I always judge free agent signings and trades and stuff. Uh, how good an interview are they? Oh, sure, he's a good football player, but can you fill three minutes on the pregame show? That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's important to have that. It's important to have that. Uh, did you have one more there, sure. Mike? Or are, we, are you good? Yeah, let's go uh, okay. with another Coach Vic. Uh, this is for Dave and Morley. How tough was it? keeping up with all the player changes. You talked about over a hundred players on the field and some guys would be signed and then cut like the week later. How hard was it, especially on game day, keeping up with those? Well, yeah. I mean, you look at the depth chart and you're like, wow, 11 changes. Okay. Um, I, you know, I think we understand this, how Chris Jones operates. I mean, he, if he doesn't like what he sees, he's going to make changes. And, I was just hoping at some point, okay, he, at some point he's just got to settle down. And he did say to us uh, on a couple of occasions, you know, I don't want to make changes, but, you know, one, I don't like what I see on the field, and two, we're injured, so I got to make some changes. But I was pretty happy around Labor Day when, you know, that carousel kind of stopped. And But, yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. Uh, when you're When you're covering a Chris Jones coach team, you know that this is going to happen. And – some of it can be a blur, and I mean, I, I don't put every name out there because not every name needs to be out there, right? Because they kind of have to prove themselves. But <laughs> for example, you know, we talk about Kevin Brown. You know, you look at his history at the Incarnate Word, and you're like, ten and a half yard average. Holy crap! I'm gonna I'm gonna put that out there. That's amazing, right? So it was hard in that way, in that way because I try and you know do a little bit of a, a little bit of research exercise on each player after a while. So it's just like I'm uh, already. 25 minutes into this and that's weird because you know, I'm looking up the fifth player of the six that have been signed, you know, so, um, and three but, of them will get released in two days. Exactly. Like, that's, that's what I've found. Uh, that's what I found. It was like, I, I think Jones and the coaching staff wanted to bring guys in to look at them in practice and they sign them to the practice roster. And there's so many guys this year who get, you know, uh, they go back to practice on Tuesday, Tuesday morning, we get the email that they've signed all these guys and, Thursday or Friday, we get an email that they've released, you know, some of those guys or, or guys would come in and play one game. I remember uh, Ben Holmes, a quarterback uh, came in, had a great conversation with him and uh, you know, and then uh, he didn't play, he dressed 
didn't play in the game and then Monday morning he got released. Uh, it's just, just how it goes. Right. And, uh, um, you know, they obviously needed a guy to come in and uh, I think they had some injury issues at, at quarterback at that time. And, uh, they needed a guy to come in and they brought him in. They looked at him in practice, dressed him in a game and said, no, he's not what we're looking for. I don't think. And, uh, they released him and, and, and went on. There's a lot of guys like that. So, uh, it was just, I do, uh, I do my, you know, we get the depth charts and everything, but I do my lineup cards every game. And I did a lot of typing this year. I did a lot of typing on those cards this year. You even had guys coming back, I, too, I wish- right? I mean, you had Ethan McConzo on the roster, off the roster, on the yeah. roster, off the roster. Yeah, I think uh, I think Ethan McConzo and uh, Mike Beaudry were the guys who were, were yeah. off and on. So uh, Beaudry more at the, in the first half of the season, and then McConzo kind of in the middle towards the end uh, when he was he was brought back, released, brought back and released, brought back and released. It, was, uh, it, was, it must have been tough for his brother. Right. I would think, right? Because he's 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 hugging him hello yeah. and then hugging him goodbye yeah. and then hugging him hello and then hugging him goodbye again. Third time around, you don't get a hug. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I wish uh, I wish I had thought about that early in the season and made that T-shirt that said "Welcome to the Elks." Thanks for being here. Like it was pretty much. Welcome to the Elks. We wish like you the best in your future endeavors. Yeah. I think it turned out to be 104 guys who were on the on the uh, injured list or the or the actual (laughs) roster, and then throwing the guys who who were just on the practice roster and never never hit the injured list or hit the hit the game day roster. I mean, there's probably I don't know, Dave. Would you say 120, 130 guys maybe that came through? You know, and that doesn't even include all the guys who were here for training camp and left, right? So So, yeah, yeah, it was. like, a we're lot talking of like names. 160, maybe 170. There was a time, a couple of times, a couple of times, and and I, I I remember going to Dave. I would I would say a name and go, "Is he still here?" You know, <laughs> and trying to remember, <laughs> yeah, he's in the practice. <laughs> okay, okay, or is he on the injury? No, no, he's gone. He was released. And and there was a couple of times where you just couldn't keep track of guys. You just didn't know where they were they on the injured list, were they on the practice roster, or were they one of the guys released? Because there's just released. so many of them all season long. And this happened last week, preparing for the final game. So every week we were doing this game. Is he here? Where's the roster? Like, it's crazy. There were 190 people under contract in 2022. 190. Wow. 190 players. So I was way under. Wow. Take the over on that one. Man, that's a lot. And then then throw in the training camp guys, right? Yeah, it's including training camp. Those oh, are including guys who came to camp? Okay. All that right, were so. under contract at some point. Okay, gotcha. That's a lot of players. Jeez. I'd like to know, although they had some injury issues this year, I'd like to know what uh, Winnipeg's numbers were. Yeah. Um, probably not even 100, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, Yeah. probably. Yeah. But they true. didn't go 4 and 14 um, last year. Right. Or, or 3 and 11 <laughs> last year. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get into uh, our last little bit here. I want to talk about playoff predictions because we're uh, th- this is our final show of this year. Um, we know what all the playoff games are now, so uh, let's let's start with the semifinals: uh, Hamilton uh, and Montreal, and then Calgary going to BC. So, Dave. Who do you have in Boy, those two games? You know, there, there's a lot to like about Montreal, and there's a lot that they make you want to just pound your fist on the table and go, "What? What is going on here?" Right? 
I think their offense is so, but sometimes you just don't get what you should get out of them. Mm-hmm. Their defense, I think, is playing as best as as good as any defense in this league. There is a bit of a lightning in a bottle, uh, you know, factor too, and Hamilton is definitely catching that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I just uh, I I can't go against the Alouettes. I I just think that they 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 have enough, and I. I trust Trevor Harris more than I trust Dane Evans. And obviously there's an injury issue with Dane and we'll see if he can actually play in that game. And he probably won't play this weekend. Uh, West semi boy, depends how good Nathan Rourke is and depends if he's going to play. And I think that really factors into it, but uh, that's a tough one. You know, that is a real tough one. I, I think if Nathan plays, and and is close to where he was at before he got hurt as far as the level he was at, then they should win. Um, if he's not, or they, 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 you know, have to play with Vernon, Vernon Adams, who I think has done a good job of treading water and keeping them above water. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think that could still give them a chance. Um, I don't know. I, I think, I think the second best team in the league is Calgary. And I think, I think they'll find a way to get through and go to Winnipeg. Interesting. I All agree right. with that. I, I I really like the way Calgary's played in the last you know six to eight weeks of the season. They've been, they've been pretty good. They've been pretty consistent. I think they're getting pretty healthy right now too, uh, and I think they'll go into BC and win. Uh, even if if Rourke does play, I, there's obviously a rust issue, and um, uh, he he obviously won't be a hundred percent. He won't be able to run like he like he has run especially against the Elks this year um you know uh, BC's building though and I think they're going to be a, a good team I think a lot of it, what happens in that game depends on Rourke but I I think Calgary's going to win that one and move on to Winnipeg in the east I'm with Dave Montreal's just got uh, too many game breakers uh especially offensively uh and you know if, if Trevor Harris is on his game you know he can go he can go 90 percent and and uh, I mean Gino Lewis and Weineke and you know they got a lot of good players on that team and I think uh, Hamilton's Hamilton's they're coming on they've they've had you know some crazy wins down the stretch but I don't think they're deep enough and especially you know we'll see how Evans is moving forward but uh, I think that uh, I think Montreal will win that one uh, in the in the East so that's my call. All right. Super fan? Um, I think, I, I mean, I certainly agree with the Montreal Hamilton. Uh, Dane Evans has been very up and down when he's good. He can be fairly good. But I think that when Trevor Harris is on, that's a much stronger offense. Uh, we're starting to see with Stanback back and Walter Fletcher both getting used. Fletcher was great out of the backfield, uh, catching those balls and, and even running some of those balls. I thought he had a great game in the last game. Um, so I think Montreal is going to take that one. Uh, I'm going to go against the other gents and go with BC in the West. Uh, Rourke does have another game prior to the West semifinal uh, where they figure he'll be playing some in the last game of the regular season. Uh, I think that he does just bring something, even being on the sidelines uh, is just going to elevate this team. And I think they also have some really strong weapons. Uh, I'm hearing that um, Brian Burnham will also be back for the West semifinal. Um, Even if he's not 100%, that's just another strong weapon they've got. And um, we haven't heard a lot from Dominic Rimes uh, in the last little bit, but uh, he and Rourke had a special connection, I thought. So with those kind of weapons, I think we're going to see BC take it. 
All right. Yeah, and just Kayla. going off of BC too. I mean, like you saw what Butler can do. I mean, he absolutely destroyed our our secondary and just like ran us into the ground. So to have that, and um, I mean, I, I can't go against VA. That's just abnormal. And I there's no way in heck that I would ever go with Calgary at this point. So I um, I think the momentum is gonna is gonna change into in into the Lions' favor. Um, I'm just done and over with Calgary, so I, I'm going more with my heart on this one. Um, I just think that the Lions have a really good core group of guys, and and we need some change. And I think the Lions are gonna are gonna head to Winnipeg. And I mean, I think it's probably gonna be a sweep when it comes to. Um, the Owls and, and the Ticats can't speak for Andrew, but I'm just guessing. But yeah, you got that magic in Gino and you've got that duo in Fletcher and um, Stanback. And then you got that D line. Like, I can't go against Mondo and Mike Moore. Like, just a solid defense. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, that loss against the Argos, I'd like to point out that my pickums were actually right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Strange finally had a four and zero week. Right. We are, it's crazy. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the Owls, and I'm gonna go with the Lions. All right. Well, if uh, if yeah, if Dane Evans was health was healthy, I would be totally going Tie Cats and Lions. But I'm gonna go Alouettes and Lions, and you guys have all explained why. So I probably don't need to say that again. Okay. So into the uh, finals now. We've got Montreal traveling to Toronto, and we've got either Calgary and or BC, whoever you picked, going into Winnipeg. Uh, Morley, we'll start with you this time. Uh, Winnipeg, Winnipeg in the West. I don't. I don't. You know. Okay. I've said it before. I'm a Ric Flair guy. You want to be the man, you got to beat the man. And uh, as long as they're, as long as they keep winning, uh, I can't go against them. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're well coached. They got experience. They've got the MOP. Uh, they've, they've got so many really good players, both sides of the football. So I can't, I can't see them losing right now. So uh, that's, that's my pick. And spoiler alert, they'd be my pick for the Grey Cup as well. Okay. Uh, okay. In, in the East, that's a, that, a Montreal-Toronto game. I mean, we saw last week how close they, they could be and how how uh, how good they are. That game, to me, would come down to uh, Trevor Harris versus McLeod Bethel-Thompson, who's going to be the hot guy. Yeah. And quite honestly, I wouldn't know who to pick because I either one of them you know, can get hot, either yeah. one of them can get cold. Uh, it's To me, that's going to be a very, very hard game to pick. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, I might go with Montreal just because they, in my mind, they have more game breakers, especially on offense. So I don't know. It'd be a great game though. I, I, that, that might be uh, one of the best games in the playoffs, seeing those two teams. And we saw a pretty good game from them last week and, uh, look forward to that one in the East final. If, if Montreal gets there. Yeah, for sure. Dave. Yeah. Uh, West Winnipeg. I mean, they're just that good. They are the best, and yes, I do believe we'll, we'll see a three-peat. Um, and on in the East, yeah, you know, this this has the makings of another low-event game, <laughs> another defensive battle, and uh, I will always take the team with the more weapons, and the more weapons exist on the Alouette side than they do on the Argo side. I just think that can tip the scales. Special teams, I think the art, the Alouettes have the edge, clearly. And defensively, they're fairly even, but that's a key loss with uh, Shane Ray up front. 
for the Argos and Winton McManus in the linebacking core. Uh, they are a ball hawking secondary. You got to be really careful if uh, if if you're quarterback against the the Argos. But when it comes to a low event game, which I expect it will be, um, I will go with the team with the game breakers and because. Uh, you know, you only need one score, right? You only need one score to make the difference. I think the Alouettes have the difference makers. All right, Kayla. Yeah, I mean, they kind of just said it all. Exactly my thoughts. Um, I'd like, I'd like to see the Lions, but I think that Winnipeg is just too strong and too dynamic and too stable. Um, in, in most regards. Um, and the same with the Alouettes, like Morley said it best, like it's going to come down to a grind and who's, who's hot because we can see the Argos too. They flip, you know, they, they have these brilliant games and then they have these like, what are you doing games? And it it all comes like Morley said, all comes down to who's hot. And um, yeah, I just got to give, give it slightly to the Owls. I think they're going to, they're going to take this loss to heart. The one that they just had against the Argos. And I think that, um, they're going to pull it through. All right. Super fan. I'm going to go completely off uh, tight on this. Uh, I think that um, Winnipeg definitely is a strong team in the West, but I think if there's going to be any team that can beat them, it will be BC if Rourke is playing. If Rourke is not playing, I think it's Winnipeg all the way there. If BC has Rourke and he is at least 70 80 percent of what he was before i think it could be a close game it's going to be a less than one score game and i think bc can take it in the east on the other hand i thought that trevor harris would have a strong game against hamilton we've seen harris have strong games followed by weak games uh the 2019 season sort of comes to mind when we had a dominant (laughs) game against montreal and then lost in the final um i think it's going to be the same kind of thing you'll have a strong game in the semifinal, maybe not as strong um it was a very close game in montreal i think in toronto after with a week's rest uh toronto is going to have the edge in that and if we see good trevor bad trevor and it's bad trevor in these final i think that uh, toronto is going to take it all right. Interesting. That was exactly what I was going to say. It's like you and I think alike, super fan. That's, that's hey, where I was headed. Well. So we know Dave and Morley are picking Winnipeg uh, to uh, take it all in three-peat. Um, Kayla, your your matchup in the final is Montreal and Winnipeg, I believe. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she's realized what she's done. <laughs> <laughs> Title of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that wants to wait till the paint dries in that corner she's in right now. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, again, like it's a battle of the head versus the heart. And I just honestly, it's so cool to see a dynasty, and it would really be something to see a three-peat from a team that I don't hate. So that would be nice. <laughs> but I just I have I'm I'm gonna go with my heart and I'm gonna say the Alouettes. Wow. I can't I I can't bet against them. And my heart's always wrong. So there you go. I'm just giving it to you guys. But I Congratulations, Bombers on the streak. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Right. I, I was congratulating the bombers on the three peat. Thanks to yeah. your um, to to your heart being wrong, even though your heart's always in the right place. There in the right place, just wrong decisions, which ironically <laughs> does not always. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I just have this like maybe it's. I always think the best, even when going into the Elks game. I'm like, I have a good feeling about this, and we always blow it. So it's just the optimism that's really winning out. That's probably going to be. A complete failure, but I'm going to stick to it. I'm I'm going to stick with the owls. Good, good to stick with your guns. All right, Mike, go They're ahead weak. and say exactly what I was going to say because we both have a, uh, a Toronto BC Grey Cup. What do you got? Yeah, and again, if I think that Rourke is just going to get stronger, assuming their you know touch wood is no injuries, I think uh, we have the uh, Grey Cup champion BC Lions with the MOP Nathan Rourke. And with that, uh, that will be the end of his time in the Canadian Football League, and he will be down south in 2023. Hmm. Ooh, man. Okay, I was going to say everything up until that last line. Then I don't, I don't like that last line. I, I mean, I don't I like it. Being on the other team, but, you know, whatever. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'm going to go for a BC Great Cup. We'll see how that goes. I mean, whatever. I've always sucked to pick them, so I'm throwing out whatever I care, whatever. This is what I hope, and we'll see how it goes. Um, well, gents, uh, thank you so much for joining us, taking some time out of your evening. I know you both have early mornings, and uh, we I appreciate you guys taking the time to chat football with us. And uh, you know, we love listening and talking to you. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, where does everybody find you guys on the social media so that they can follow you? We'll start with you, Morley. Uh, on the Tweety Box, Morley underscore Scott. Same thing on Instagram. But if you go to Instagram, you'll mostly just see pictures of my grandson. So uh, oh, if you're interested in that, go ahead. Uh, and uh, I, I want to just do a shout out for uh, the Elks this week, the, the show we do uh, every week. Uh, it's usually on Monday nights during the season. We're moving it. We're going to have a show all off season long. Uh, this oh, year nice. and it will first show will be Saturday morning. It'll move to Saturdays at nine thirty. So uh, Saturdays and we'll of course have that up to, on the podcast as well. So uh, Saturday mornings for the Elks this week and first show this week is going to be a little look back to, to garbage bag day and uh, myself and Dave and Blake Dermott will toss it around for a while as well. So that'll be all season, all off season long Saturday mornings at nine thirty on Chet. So love it. See y'all there. Tuning in. Very excited about that. Absolutely. Mr. Campbell, you can find me on Twitter, Dave underscore Ched on Instagram, uh, Dave underscore Campbell six thirty. Which my Instagram is kind of boring. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I, I think I will try and make it better. Someone has to teach me. Yes, Morley, someone has to teach me to do something <laughs> technological as well. So I am human as well, even though I'm back in the office next week. Uh, or you're not in the office next week. So uh, the week after, I'll become your, you know, your your full-time IT person. Nice. But the person who's annoyed by you, um, <laughs> which happens a lot. But it goes the other way, too. Um, and I just want to say thank you very much to uh, you know, just the support and the kindness that you know, Morley and I get, and the, and the broadcast team gets with with Brendan Escott, and with uh, with Blake, and with with David Bowles, who joined us as our our sideline guy and needs to learn how to come with the right jacket. So if you can give him some jacket advice, <clears throat> preferably wear a warm one, David, <laughs> please, when it's cold. Um, but you know, we got you know, I'm I don't do this a lot because I just kind of just move on and you know, just just kind of don't look back kind of thing. But I, I think this year just kind of it just kind of hit me a little bit more. Just, it was, you know, a tough, another tough season. 
And there's a lot of people who are trying to make noise and trying to create turmoil. And I do appreciate the the people who uh, do support us and, and do, uh, you know, just are there, you know, with us and, you know, we're not everyone's cup of tea and we're not going to say what, you know, we don't expect everyone to agree with, with us, but that's not what it's about. You know, and I think it's just been, uh, you know, it's just been really heartwarming to see the the nice messages and, and the, and the, you know, just the kindness from people about the work that we do. So it's nice. Thank you. Especially the three here. Thank you. I was going to well, say, boy, the, boy the, the Ched tea is my cup of tea. That's for sure. <laughs> Ever so much that I moved closer nice. to the box. That's nice. That's right. <laughs> yes. That's right. We appreciate yes. and the waves. We always love the... Yeah, we love the waves and the hellos, and it was just nice to get more hugs from uh, everyone this year, including the the three of you. And so I got to give was, a sh- I, I think we should give a shout out. Everyone talks about the attendance uh, a lot, and mm-hmm. and it is down. But uh, instead of talking about who's not there, let's let's thank and 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 give good wishes to everybody who was there. Yeah, the guys who've the, the fans it. who've stuck with the team yep. who've showed up uh, through what has been a, an awful stretch at home, especially uh, congratulations to you guys, you know, true fans, you know, it doesn't matter what the name of the team is. It doesn't matter if they're winning or losing. There's been uh, a pretty good group of core fans who've showed up every game. Uh, and um, I, I think, you know, stay strong. I think things are getting better and, and hopefully we'll be able to talk about some home wins next year and, and more than four wins as well moving forward. I, I 100%, 100% agree with yes. you, Morley, that, uh, yeah, we the, those of us uh, will look back one day and go, you know, we came when they sucked and mm-hmm. we were always here and now we get to cheer louder because now they're good. So that's exciting. Uh, Commissioner, where does everybody find you online? On Twitter at Duchess Lombardi. Perfect. And super fan. Uh, you can find me at 56 Parkies and then the history segment and more guys like this. You can see at the Edmonton Football History account at EDM H I S T O R E E. Awesome. And of course, you can uh, find me at Free Palicious. Um, and uh, we'll make a quick shout out here to uh, Dave to say hi to you from Leanne. Hello, Leanne. There we are. And uh, also send our congratulations out to Leanne on her upcoming nuptials. We're uh, excited to be part of that. And we won't have another show before it. So congrats early. It's going to be amazing. Um, uh, Thank you again to the APN for all of their support this year. Um, You can check out all of the great shows at albertapodcastnetwork.com. You're welcome. Uh, and, uh, of course, follow our friends with Pay It Forward with Football as they yeah. continue to spread kindness. And uh, check out our friend Celeste's bro- Celeste blog, VinylJourney.com, which has a new album every week. And we love it. That um, was fantastic. Um, and, of course, join us. Join the huddle at the Turf District, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, we, of course, are taking a, a bit of a hiatus now, but we will still try and be active on Twitter and, and some of our social Socials. Um, but, uh, but you know, we, we need a break too. We love you guys, but we need a break. Um, so, uh, but we'll, we'll still be around. And uh, if you're on uh, YouTube live, stick around for overtime. Uh, we will get to some of these other questions and chat a little bit more uh, to start, get ready for the end of season eight. And of course, being prepared for season nine, which we will be back sometime in the new year. Um, 
you know, or when something massive happens and we all need to chat about it. So for Dave and Morley and Commissioner K and Superfan, I'm Andrew. Remember, you can't catch footballs with your face and we will absolutely talk to you next week. For listening, find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 